Network Radio. This week's show is a journey into consciousness, working through the wonderful trance mediumship of Mick and Sylvie Avery, with wisdom brought through by spirit guide Gregory Hay. To find out more about their work, you can visit www.spirit-teaching.com. Well, a very warm welcome to another Journeys into Consciousness, Gregory. It's great to have you back. Thank you so, my dear friend. And without further ado, I would uh, hope to uh, be able to continue from the situation of uh, the last time that we spoke, dear friend. This is to do with, uh, first of all, I understand we were talking of uh, different situations, uh, the Mary Celeste to begin with. Yes, indeed. It's on my list. Yes, and I have been speaking, dear friend, uh, to the master of the vessel itself, uh, Mr. Briggs. And I understand that uh, there needs to be some clarity here about what exactly happened to those unfortunate souls who were actually aboard the Mary Celeste at the time. Okay. I understand from him, uh, from his good self, uh, that what had happened was that on around the uh, fifth day of the voyage itself, uh, they were some uh, seven, eight hundred miles, nautical miles from the coast of Portugal. And that what had happened was that uh, there was a squall had broken out. A squirrel? A squall, a squall, which is uh, uh, a, a sudden weather change okay that had broken out and as i understand it because they were sailing from new york and were due to arrive in italy uh, that was uh, because of the fact they had on board the vessel the marie celeste uh, which was previously uh, named the amazon i believe uh, that what was actually on board of it uh, was uh, pure alcohol at that time okay which was bound for Italy to be put in two bottles of wine. Right. And the, the situation was, friend, that the actual uh, uh, contents of uh, this situation uh, was that it was an extremely volatile uh, mixture. And that uh, some barrels of the mixture itself... Uh, had been um, the liquid itself had been placed into different a different form of barrel, I understand, and this was just in under ten barrels, and that what had happened was that the liquid itself had evaporated through the uh, expansion of the oaken casks casks themselves, and he said that uh, when he he, in fact, opened the hatch because it had been not just squally weather, but that what had also happened was that it was it had become very hot and he was afraid for the contents of the barrels, you see? Yeah. Being that it was alcohol. And he had opened the hatches of, uh, uh, of a part of the vessel and that the vapor had suddenly uh, blown out of the ship itself. And uh, it was uh, very hot, 
the whole situation, and they abandoned the vessel. They took to a small yarl, I understand. That was how he described it, a small vessel, a small boat cast over the side with one single uh, sail and oars. And I understand that this then was tether-tied to the Mary Celeste itself. Yeah. The tether was a poor job, uh, as a mate had actually tied the vessel himself rather than uh, the, the dear master, and that the master was, in fact, uh, with his wife and small child as well. And eventually, in any event, I understand the squall was uh, uh, sudden and stirring and that it uh, made the vessel jerk many times and also uh, move off in a rapid direction. Uh, in exactly the same way that it was going uh, originally on a bound, uh, but that it was in fact, uh, uh, in a sense that they had taken some instruments with them as well, so that, uh, it, because understand, friend, that before this, they had actually been becalmed before this. So they were quite frightened as to the heats and the, the differences in temperatures that had happened in the hold, so that in the event, my dear friend, what happened was they were cast adrift from yep. the Marie Celeste and were actually uh, passed and perished there. I see. So, so they were not yeah. aboard it, you see. Can you repeat that? They were not aboard the Marie Celeste. They had abandoned ship at that time, all of them, uh, with an intent to reboard it later uh, once the danger and peril had passed. So were they waiting for the fumes to disperse? Yes, that's right. Oh, I see. So basically the, the fumes would have been too toxic for them to be on board the boat. or well, they, they could have... be volatile and dangerous, so yeah. Master Briggs says. Yes. Oh, I see. And he was fr frit of his w life and that of his wife and child and of the very good seamen that he had with him. Oh, that's, that's a tragic story, isn't it? That's very sad. Uh, yes, and they, they actually perished or starved to death, I understand, and, and that their little vessel eventually sank in another squall. Oh, that, that's such a shame to hear. That really is. When you, when you think of the mystery around it, and um, yes. I, I guess people paint it into such a sort of a, a romantic picture or mystery or whatever, and, um, and it's actually quite a tragic story to it, especially with the young child as well. Uh, yes, absolutely. I understand, Fred, that she was very young, too. Yes. Yeah. Beef of a thing, yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, f thank you very much for, for bringing that story back on the show as well. Um, just to give the listeners a context, the week before um, the, the previous show, we, was, we were talking about mysteries, and one of the mysteries that come up was the Mary Celeste. And, of course, it's one of those stories where um, there was a boat found and it looked like that, you know, nothing had um, been taken or there was no sign of a break-in or any damage or anything like that. And that's the right. crew had just mysteriously gone missing, hadn't they? Yes, that's right. The point is as well, friend, I understand that many others had said that it had gone into the Bermuda Triangle and all of that. Well, it never went anywhere near it, friend. It, it actually sailed from a direct in a direct fashion, mm. from uh, uh, the city of New York, yes. I understand there were some islands that it came somewhere close to, uh, but that really there were no effects from that. Okay, so 
the, the spirits of the people that were on that vessel are they now okay? Are they are they fully oh. recuperate themselves from that experience? Oh. oh yes, absolutely, of course. So I understand, in fact, that they were somewhat aghast at the authorities' view of the uh, master of the other vessel, who eventually found their Marie Celeste vessel uh, abandoned, as it were. As uh, he had, I understand, spent a night, a good night with himself, his master and his wife, uh, uh, the previous night before they eventually sailed. Hmm. And that he, uh, his, his good friend had actually sailed the week after him. And I, I understand that Master Briggs was indebted to that person for bringing his vessel homeward and also for his interpretation of that good vessel's uh, 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 particulars. I understand that's the way that he put it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, well thank you for bringing that story to our attention and rounding it off. Um, it's fantastic. Um, to have a story cover two different shows as well about me prompting you as well. I thought that was really good. Oh, that's quite all right. I know, my dear friend, it was on your list, as are, uh, I understand, the other one as well. Oh, it is, yes. I mean, do you about have feedback on that one? Yes, about Building 17. I understand, dear friend, that with Building 17, although it was, uh, I understand, struck several times by debris from the collapsing towers... That it, and I understand it was not directly hit, but indirectly hit by uh, following building debris and also a certain amount of uh, fluid as well from certain levels. And this is most important, I feel, that people understand this, uh, that in all tall buildings, which are, as I understand, had been described to me by others of architectural knowledge, physics and design uh, from your side of life, now come to our side of life, that all modern buildings have structures of integrity within them to do with uh, auxiliary power supplies. And these auxiliary power supplies are oftentimes uh, uh, powered by different fuels in order to then step in in case of original power failures of the building's description so that various uh, companies are usually employing their own specific power supply sources within their own floors that they have uh, uh, taken on as their uh, business of opportunity. And what in fact had happened here within this state is that as the, the plane struck uh, the towers themselves, that the one closest to Building 17, some of the debris had rained down upon it, including fuel from uh, one of the planes and also fuel from several floors of the collapsing building, which was at that time a fire. And I understand that this, in fact, impacted greatly upon building number 17. I understand there were several floors within it as well, which were also carrying similar amounts of very toxic and inflammatory chemical. I understand, though, however, that much of this was not in the concerted program of the architectural development 
the reason for this, as has been explained to me, is really uh, quite rustic in the respect of the configuration of the building design itself. The fact that it had uh, a heart, in a sense, of so many towers within the middle of it, and then a uh, a a circumstantial uh, circumference of structured towers around the outside, which is why it is that people in the main thought that it was such a robust tower. However, what had actually happened was the molten situation of many ta- of many of these pillars. Once they had been investigated by um, other engineers and the like, because I understand the need really is to understand how the tower itself collapsed in the first place, was that in actual fact there were parts of the the these upright structures, uh, the pillars that were supporting the tower, which had actually evaporated. And they had evaporated through the heat source. I understand there are still difficulties in the comprehension of this, of how that actually meant that the tower had become so critically structured, uh, purely and simply because one would think that if it had, uh, in fact, this had matter had impaled upon it at one end of the structure, then one end of it would have gone and it would have keeled over. It wouldn't have imploded on itself. So it is widely understood that it was actually the main tower structures within it, that is the 17 or 18 pillars in the middle, that actually failed. Uh, and that was why it imploded in on itself. Okay, so, so you're talking about building... 17. Building seventeen because I thought it was building seven. Building oh, seven! I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, seven. Yeah. Because build, building so, seven has sort of collapsed from the ground. It, it it kind of went down into its footprint. Yes, that is true. It didn't collapse from the ground up. That was, in fact, I understand the understanding from various pictures. However, there are no pictures that are actually showing the entire building from the ground level. And I understand also that the the whiffs of smoke or, or, or vaporous gas that are seen escaping from various points of it are seen to be or um, thought to be uh, as uh, structures of uh, meaning that it was a, a firing mechanism or some such thing as that were actually escapes from various parts of pipe work intrinsic to the basic design of the building actually to do with the vaporization of various liquids which were to do with these um, self-same situations of auxiliary power control that the main towers had also. That was really inherent within the design of the building. So much of this, dear friend, uh, really is in building design and the safe structure of it. I understand that many peoples on your side of life are really going to have to look at the necessity of the way that buildings are structurally designed. They're inherent faults. So are you saying that the buildings, that there was no foul play there in any of the buildings coming down? Can you repeat that, friend? Are you saying that there was no foul play in any of the buildings coming down? I am saying that what appears to be at this present time is that there was not, in fact, a foul play, as it were, in that there was some conspiracy to bring it down. 
That is what is appearing upon the surface of it and to the notification and understanding of those as yet here on our side of life who have looked at this intently. Okay, because there's scientists on this side of life or architects that are saying that um, it's impossible for steel to melt at the temperatures that... Um, should have been in existence. Yeah. I understand that wholeheartedly. Yes, because quite simply, diesel cannot, uh, in fact, explode at that. It needs a great deal of, of temperature, first of all, to make it that combustible, but also in itself, once on fire, cannot reach the temperatures which would have been required to have made the steel become evaporated in itself. I understand that. What I'm also saying, however, is that there are not any other structures that would enable that to happen either. So it had to be something else to do with the inherent structural fault which was at play. There would not be any other substances present, known or unknown, uh, perhaps even to do with uh, if you were attaching explosives to it. My understanding from our friends here is being that so far uh, there is no evidence to support that explosives would have created the same kind of steel evaporation that had taken place. Therefore, there has to be some other answer which they're saying and pointing to toward these evaporations taking place because of a mixture of different chemical structure. They are citing, in fact, that perhaps some of the oxygen feeds to do with the inherent structure of the building, to do with the, um, how you say, the, the actual... Um, not heating, but the ventilation of the place, that, that oxygen was actually a part of the inherent building. And it may well be that part of that was, in fact, the cause of uh, a far more uh, ferocious, uh, yet local fire that happened. Okay. Because they, they also reckon they found fermite as well in the surrounding buildings, around the surrounding buildings. Yes, I understand. Uh, in, in many respects, friend, there have to be uh, explanations, further explanations, and I understand our friends here are still looking into it. It's not something that is, I'm not saying that I have the definitive answer at this present time. There are still other underlying causes that have yet to be answered. What they are saying here is that no one went around the place and actually tied charges to it. There is no evidence for that. And looking within the timeline of the past, there was no such activity recorded. Okay. And that's just interesting because, you know, just sort of um, analysing the evidence that certain people are building up on it. You know, with the, um, the architects for 9-11 Truth seem to have a lot of evidence towards I... something being untoward. But... Yes, I do understand that. And I, I would confer, my dear friend, that this still needs to be investigated. And indeed, those from our team are still investigating it themselves. They are unhappy with what they have found so far, purely and simply from the level of the organic compounds and the whole level of the, of the system and how it was created and installed in the first instance. Yeah in having uh, those kinds of inflammable, highly flammable 
positive liquids stored in a building uh, so many floors up in the air is completely scandalous when in actual fact should have been stored elsewhere and away from such a building. This is part of the problem I feel inherent within the many structures of buildings that you currently have on your side of life. Yeah, okay. I mean, we we could spend a whole show on this because there's quite a lot of... um um, unanswered questions around the whole thing to do with the Pentagon and other things, but I don't want to take up the show too much with this because, um, no, yeah, um, yes. yeah, so basically, I've opened up the show this week to, um, for some questions and answers from yes. our listeners. So, um, what I'll do is I'll fire off from the first one because I just want to try and get as many in this week as we can. So, the first one, um, somebody would like to know. Why it is that our spirit guides can't stop some people becoming possessed by spirits that can latch onto them? And what happens to people when they pass over who practice black magic? Yes, my dear Finn. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Now, to begin with, then, in answers short in succession, uh, the fact is those who walk with you, your doorkeeper, uh, are not responsible for your life. So everyone out there who is uh, practicing to do with anything to do with spirit gifts or spirit desires or any such uh, situation to do with this, you are the masters of your own life. And you cannot expect those in the spirit world to watch every aspect of your behavior or what happens to you in that regard. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that there are not innocent situations which can arise purely uh, which are uh, not related to either spirit guide or a person's own physical behavior, thought patterns or reviews in their conscious life. So this means, dear friend, in answer to your second part of the question, that uh, this situation of other people, uh, I understand there have been conditions concerning black magic and the rest of it to do with the dark arts of those people who practice it on your side of life and for those who continue to practice it on our side of life, and they do exist. And yes, there are negative, deeply negative energies on our side of life from the residue of mind consciousness that they had in the physical side of life, which has continued unabated. That proves the point that heaven isn't what you think it is, that the, the whole situation of the spirit world is not maybe made up of the construction that you think it is or that you have been led to believe. Belief is one thing, fact is another. The fact of the matter remains, dear friends, that in the spirit world, with love abound and love beautified in our intention, there still yet remain many souls, many individuals who come to our side of life with exactly the same negative trait, exactly the same negative horrors that they created in their physical side of life. And we'll try to continue to do that. So, even regardless of the many, many efforts of many of those on our side of life to try to stop them. It's because their vibration index they create when they do such behaviors, deliver such behaviors, are of such a specific rate that brings them closer to your side of life and to ours. And in many respects, I understand that justification would have it that 
many people on your side of life understand or think that those on our side of life with a higher vibration should be able to reach all of those with a lower vibration and stop them from doing the things that they're doing. This actually is not a fact at all. And is merely a supposition, a, a heroic, a, how can I say this, a, a form of hierarchy which had been laid out by some who actually simply do not, uh, are not aware of the true structure of the inherences within the universal uh, state of life. So it means to say then, if you have people who are fervently uh, wanting to create mayhem in the physical world, they will go on doing it. Yes, we try to stop them. Of course we do. We try to isolate their vibration. We try to make it so that they create energies which are less inflictive, that are more beautified. We try to show them how to change their ways. However, if you have a conscious mind who is excited by the uh, negative states that they create in physical life, they'll go on doing it. And sometimes what we need is to bring the help from those on your side of life to help us because you're closer to their vibration than we are. Yeah. So, I mean, what happens in the case of innocence? I mean, do innocent people get possessed? Yes. Or they do. I mean, so what would happen there? Are they, are they sort of left to their own devices? Or well, can... my dear friend, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That's okay. Uh, uh, the situation is, friend, that uh, taken a case that we were uh, dealing with our good selves. Uh, there was a lady who uh, lived in uh, the country of the United States of America who was possessed, had been possessed for some 12 years. She was blind and deaf and was a good Christian, I have to say, and had been possessed for all of this time by energies and very dark forces of whom she had not one wit of. She had not encouraged it. She had not created it. And yet she was being bullied. She was being held and pinned up against walls, uh, had doors slammed in her face. Uh, many other situations of the constraint of her own vibration had been messed and entangled within the fabric of uh, this other situation. And uh, it was no fault of her own energy or of those who were walking with her from the spirit world. They could do nothing at that time but enlist our help and ask for us to intervene on their behalf. And what we did was we, uh, uh, I understand that uh, through various different means, uh, another cycle of people on your side of life then contacted, made contacted with our dear friends here uh, and that we were then enlisted to help and bring support and knowledge also. However, I understand that the poor lady and the group concerned uh, simply could not uh, see eye to eye, and the whole situation was left in the bands. I understand that she is still possessed by the same energies. Mm. So what made her vulnerable to attack or to be possessed? Uh, her purity, I understand. Really? Yes. Um, naivety, some might call it, in a sense. So she, was she in a house that was already 
um, occupied by ghosts or spirits in limbo, if you like? No, indeed not. In actual fact, friend, what we actually found out uh, later on was that there was actually a person who was living next door who had been doing very negative things. And that was how it had been created. Right. Okay. Okay. I mean, so just, I mean, just to clarify, what, I mean, what would normally happen to somebody who practiced black magic all their life? Would they just go into spirit and then just go to the vibrational index that matches them? So they would go to like a, a place of like mind and just continue being nasty or negative? Well, if that's their choice, friend. Mm. The point is everyone has a choice. Do they want to continue to be the person that they are? They are given a mirror to look at themselves to see... It's a matter of your own personality. Do you wish to choose this or do you want to try and be something better? They will continue then to be that dreadful being or whatever until they see something different. Yeah. So, I mean, just, I mean, just advice for anybody out there. What is the best way to protect yourself against psychic attack? Stop going to graveyards at night. And and uh, this whole situation of of thinking that there is this uh, 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 mass evil and that it's exciting somehow, it yeah. isn't. It's extremely dangerous. You know not what you do. So what happens if someone who don't know has just got evil intent and they are maybe casting spells or they're just aiming negativity at a person? Would, yeah. would that person wouldn't necessarily know about it, would they? I mean, no, that is quite true. But is there anything, would, would your guides be sitting there trying to protect in some way? Or you just kind of, you're being hit and you, you might, your immune system might go down, you might feel a bit run down? Yes, well, that can happen too. Uh, the point is, friend, what you have to understand as well is the fabric of energy that people create can then end up in the toxic, as a toxic fabric, to the building, to the place, to the environment, in exactly the same way uh, that perhaps even, uh, uh, so say, great battle uh, that had been done of the past, either in your good country or in the country of France or, or Germany or any other place where great battles had taken place, uh, or perhaps in to do with the fabric of, of people or places, not forgetting, of course, that in the ancient times, many people who had done wrong were actually buried outside of the churchyards and uh, uh, buried uh, perhaps without the sacrilegious uh, exp expediences of their faith. Other situations had been to do with intolerable affairs, uh, to do with how they had um, perhaps been let loose upon society on your side of life. And I understand that there are uh, many, in fact, I, I, I cannot say this too strongly, that it's not to say that everyone that was ever bad is still bad. Uh, it's not like that at all. Uh, a great many have overcome the and seeing the errors of their ways of their decision-making and judgmental processes uh, that have been duly laid out before them and they have understood so much more and so have become remarkable uh, edifices of, of, of complete understanding and atonement. And that's what we pray for all the time. That's why we send loving energy toward them and why we continue to do so, even for those who are still creating mayhem, for those in black magic arts, I say to you uh, that, again, there are many structures um, inherent within this that 
you really just don't understand what you're unleashing. Mm. And especially too, I have to say for the other practices as well, it's why we always say if you're going to sit for the spirit world or for anything to do with communication for us, it has to be for the highest good, highest attention. You can only do with this with the greatest respect, no alcohol, no abuse, no situation involved within it. It can only be with that greatest respect and honor. Therefore, you will then attract those of that like mind. And I have to say, friend, that there have been those situations where uh, they think that perhaps the person that they're communicating with is some angel or whatever or some other being of light. And that that is how they have portrayed themselves doesn't necessarily mean that's the being they truly are. Hmm. So could somebody, if someone was being attacked psychically, could they visualize a mirror around them? Because there's, there's kind of, you read things where you can visualize a mirror, you can put yourself in white light. Yes, I understand. Uh, it's called mirology. Hmm. Uh, that is what takes place. Uh, the, the fundamental situation I would suggest in mirology is to actually do it with two mirrors and physical mirrors. So that what you, if you think that you, this is a part of what you are, uh, is happening to you that you're undergoing in your physical life, then what you would do is you would simply take a small hand mirror, uh, something like a round one uh, or something with a handle on it, and you would begin, first of all, with your head. So you would stand in front of a large mirror so that you can then use the small mirror to contain pictures of yourself as you move the mirror around it, using it to then investigate the entire part of yourself so that you can see a a full image of your true structure as other people see you. That then becomes a mirror image in your mind, in your consciousness, that you can then eventually evoke as a protective state. I hope you understand that. So you have to take it quite slowly, just a bit at a time, learn to recognize what you actually look like in a mirror. And I understand that means that it's all backwards. But the point is that this then becomes a uh, a mirror in your consciousness. It becomes exactly as other people will see you. Okay. And then, and is that all you do? Is there like, what, what do you, is there anything you have to say or? Well, yes, my dear friend, there are certain uh, invocations and that kind of thing that I would suggest that you would say in exactly the same way that you would for any practice of meditation. To my highest guides and helpers, second to none, bless me, keep me safe at this time as I am walking this life. Protect me from all who I survey and all who remain unseen. Okay, thank you very much. Um, just move on to another question now. Yes. Um, okay, Gregory, you speak of and refer so often to God as being the creator of all. However, why therefore do so many spirits state that God is merely a man-made title in order to give mankind a faith and belief structure, where in reality the higher consciousness is made up of more than a singular being? Yes, quite so, because all beings in the spirit world, all spirit, are a part of that creative energy. That is quite true. So I am not making any dissonation. I am not saying that God is a part of man-made structure. Far from it. 
It is human thought that has created that pathway and uh, professed it to be uh, that God is a likeness of humanity. Where in fact it isn't. It doesn't matter which way round you put it. The point is that I am saying that if you through meditation see your spirit, meet with your beautiful spirit, truly you will see what God looks like. Because your spirit is an integral and essential part of that energy. Exactly the same, my dear friend, if you look at the spirit of a dolphin or the spirit of a fly, the spirit of a bug on a leaf or the spirit of a whale, the spirit of any animal being that exists in physical life is the same pure spirit that you are, just in a different form that has been joined with and emulating at this time. Not exactly the same vibration, quite different, because its spirit is linked with a certain evolutionary process, not of spirit makeup, but of physical makeup, which comes to make a part of the universal paradigm of which you are a part presently and which you will continuously be a part of in many different dimensional states. So basically, we, everything is just an energy that's part of one. It's like there's the oneness. Yes. Everything's just a multiple expression of the one, if you like. Yes, but everything is a part also of this multiple of one, which is fractionated. So yes. if you look at your beautiful spirit, friend, you are no different to me. I am no different to you. You're having a physical life. I'm done with mine. You look at the energy, the spirit of St. John the Baptist will be exactly the same as your beautiful spirit. Yeah. There is no difference. The difference is the consciousness journey that was made within that physical journey and how that experience was then inlaid and created the beautiful harmony to do with that spirit's then continuing process of life. If I look, my dear friend, at your beautiful spirit and how you were as an OPAC, I can see quite clearly that had been, in essence, not greater than John the Baptist, because, in point of fact, you were emulating your pure, beautiful spirit. And there is no greater enchantment than that. It's like looking at God itself, the same as I would say for any being. It's just the problem that human beings have with understanding or trying to fixate upon this method of hierarchy or uh, some kind of advancement, like you were standing on somebody else's shoulders or that you are better than somebody else's. This whole ascensionism being is non-existent. It's simply pointing to the fact that you actually don't understand the fabric of the universe. Because if you did, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be talking in that way. You would be understanding when I am with my beautiful spirit, I am at one and need no further explanation, no more grandy words, no more expressions of something that is lesser, for I am love, I am beauty, I understand who I am. Thank you. <laughs> Lovely. Um, okay, just move on to some more questions now. Yes, yes. 
Okay, this one is um, what what does Gregory think of people ending their lives? Um, and this is not in the uh, suicide um, in the normal sense of suicide. Basically, people that are very very ill they tend to go off to somewhere like I think it's Switzerland, and they will allow a doctor to give them an injection and, and kill them in a uh, I suppose in a humane way, really. Yes. So, what wh- what are your thoughts on that or implications of that? Well, my dear friend, I have to say that they are as brave and as courageous as anyone else. In their physical life, I have no right either if I was a physical being or one of being of the spirit world to make any kind of judgment upon them. And I would seriously suggest that most beings should do the same. That in respect of someone having some dread-filled, diseased body or whatever it be, that they are going to face a certain death by a certain way, either by strangulation because of their weakened muscles and uh, uh, specific failures of those muscles and constriction of them to eventually strangle their victim themselves I would suggest there has to be a better way out for them. For someone who knows that they are going to drown in their own mucus of uh, some disastrous fate, I would suggest there is no drug upon your side of life that will alleviate them from that suffering or from that fate. Then surely it would be better in the long term to enable them to suffer not those little children, but to help them through it in the most uh, perfect way that is available to them. I am well aware that there are many good doctors and nurses who will insist on palliative care and will wish of them to do the very best. But even then, may I say, there are many in that state where they are suffering from cancers or whatever in pains that can, I understand, be restricted to a certain extent through palliative care, but as yet will still be greatly harmful to them and create great anxiety and anguish. So I say, friend, uh, with the best will and temperament, there is no one or no thing on our side of life that will lay blame to them at their door for having done so, and we will pat them and love them and make them well once they return to our side of life to bathe once again in love and purity. Okay, thank you, Gregory. Okay, another question. Um, Is it necessary to sit in meditation a lot in order to increase one's ability as a medium and from your knowledge is mediumship a gift we are born with or can it be developed well my dear friend everyone has gifts don't they and don't think that anyone does not every single being upon the physical life can heal can bring healing to someone else everyone has also potential mediumistic abilities and skills regardless of their countenance of life, where they were born, their upbringing, or their mode of ability to understand. Every single being upon this planet that you survive upon has the ability 
to let go and understand they can create connectivity with the spirit world in some way or with their higher conscious state. Meditation is essential in many respects. However, for some, not practical. For some, may not be possibly put into that same little box I've just painted. It means to say, friend, that if each person on your side of life were to sit for just 15 minutes in any one day and that they brought about the safety meditation for that purpose, then they would be able to make gratifying success both with those of the supreme energy of the spirit world, of their own spirit and of needing to understand their direct gifts the beautiful bounties they have been blessed with. Does it mean that it's essential to do that? No, not necessarily. Some people may actually just work on the intuitive state, and I'm not saying that's a lesser skill. It's just as beautiful as any other skill. And the intuitive state can lead on then to even greater ones, even more beautifying and more direct forms of communication, perhaps to do with clairaudience in some respect, or perhaps with clairvoyance, but in a different way, using sensitivity and not actual pictures, but actually come as sensitive pictures and sensitive driven images, which are not actually at that present time uh, completely robust and fabric in the physical world, but actually not something then that you see with your physical eye, but something given to you in the form of pixels or in the forms of ways of just joining dots, so that it's impressions of pictures. However these are formulated, however they're created, and by whom. You don't have to know all of the people who walk with you. They'll change anyway. The situation will be fluid, will be active. How you develop in this miraculous journey will be the substance of stuff to be written of in the future. Is your edifying journey of success and the way that you develop it will be peculiar only to you. You are unique in that respect. Every single one of you is. So you have not a perilous journey, but one of great bounty and love to bring. Okay. So the important message there that everyone's got their own journey and path and everyone's got their own unique gifts. So yes. you, you really need to develop what's, you know, what's unique to you. Yes. Away. So, is it just a question here around uh, different senses that we have? You know, some people can see better than others, and others need to wear glasses. Some people need need hearing aids. Yes. Um, some people are deaf and blind and stuff like that. Is the, obviously the clairvoyant or the psychic sense no different to that? So, some people just be genetically more inclined to be better at psychic ability. It isn't a genetic process. Okay. Let's clear that up. Okay. Yes, I understand there are many people who will insist their mother before them was psychic and their mother before them, and, and it's in the genetic family tree. It is still a matter, in fact, of the predisposition will be to do with how you were brought into the world and whether the actual fabric of your deep-seated spirituality or spirit gifts was something that were ignored, encouraged, beaten out of you or in some way other way suppressed 
either by your own behavior or by that of others, or whether it was something that was encouraged. Mm. Even for those whose behavior, it, it actually meant that it was suppressed. It may well be that it uh, becomes illuminated later on in life. Never say no. Yeah. You see? And the point is true, that there will be many, many beings who simply will not really understand that they had something like that. Um, I understand that many will cite within the ancestral domain, the genetics and all of that, particularly within native peoples. But then that's a different situation. Because if you have a whole group situation whereby their whole destiny is one of great spiritual value, that is a different situation because you actually have a, um, a tribal essence whereby there are many beings who are thinking along similar ways and similar patterns. However diverse their religious uh, empathy and tribalism becomes, their searching is still the same. The, the barriers are uh, withdrawn, you see. Yeah. Is there a connection with psychic ability and the, the pineal gland in the head, the, the, what they call the third eye? Well, um, yes, I understand the offenders. Uh, there are actually other altruisms to do with various other mechanics of the brain that actually have four months for uh, further fundamental bases around this than the pineal, uh, pineal gland, I understand, and that uh, there are different energies and essences at work here, uh, similar to, I suppose, how you would say that various people uh, experience different situations when they have out-of-body experiences or different situations when they relate to having some other kind of near-death experience. Uh, for example, to do with the tunnel of light uh, often is regarded as some uh, kind of uh, situation of relig deep religious experience. But in actual fact, oftentimes it can be mirrored within the simple uh, organic compound of the chemical and biological interference of the simple breakdown of what's actually happening to a person chemically when they are uh, perhaps near to a state of passing or for the etheric bead to actually finally be broken. So it's not just to do with one particular uh, organic place. And in actual fact as well, friend, I have to say that in sensitivity, you would have to also look at other details of not just those ordinary organs of sight, hearing and such like, but the skin is in fact your greatest organ that you have. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, is there, I mean, does diet play a, um, a big factor in closing people down or chemicals that are prevalent in today's world? Do they help close people down? Yes. Interesting, my dear friend, you should say that diet in the main, I understand, is a, a factor in some conditions. Although I happen to know that there are some people who actually used to eat meat regularly on a regular basis and, um, and yet would be uh, happily clairvoyant and uh, very happily uh, being able to bring abundant uh, clarity of messages through from our side of life. However, there's also uh, this situation whereby if you were vegetarian or vegan or whatever, does that make you more uh, clairvoyant or more spiritually active? It most certainly makes you more uh, accomplished in a spiritual relationship. 
So it means to say that your vibration is greater if you are vegetarian or vegan than if you were eating a person eating meat. Quite simply, as I have stated before, people, uh, if you are wanting to reach that pure state of bliss and nirvana and that you wish to have enlightenment in this physical lifetime, then stop eating meat. That's all that I can say, really. And that is regardless of what spirit gifts, whatever you have and whatever you may have come to realize in this physical life presence now this very minute will become greatly amplified once you uh, decide to take that pathway. But I'm not twisting your arm over it. I'm not going to say your legs are going to fall off if you don't. <laughs> okay. Um, just just one last question now. Um, and this is just more for the greater audience, really. Um, okay. It's a, a lot of people have been writing in with this, really. So I've just kind of summarised it into one question. A lot, a lot of people seem to be stuck spiritually and not sure where their path is leading, leading them to. They don't seem to have a definitive direction. What advice would you have for them? Question. Absolutely. Question. Everything. You should not be taking things at face value. If you feel that the situation around you is not right, question why that is. If you feel that the evidence you are given as to how you are to proceed or to the evidence you are being given, perhaps that seems too good to be true. If you are feeling, however, that you are abundant and somehow on the correct path and yet everything still seems to be flying in the face of it, that oftentimes I understand people are not led up a garden path but simply are at the variances of physical life. It's all very well to be spiritually developed and eager to learn. And yet if the spirit life has not uh, then infuse this within the physical life, one would say, oh, well, surely then that's not the right pathway for you if everything hasn't just slotted into place. Don't believe a whit of it. It may well be that this simply means that the place at the time is not right now, that you have to not take everything literally, but that what you have to do is to understand this is my process of work. This is my process of pathway, of how I move forward. What I make of this is that I fill it up with other things as well as this, but this is still my primal goal. Then I take this part of this pathway and keep it as this, not a shrine, but as a goal that I set for myself. And yet, and then it means that quite simply, if there are other things in the physical mental world that get in the way, simply overcome them. Use whatever manner that you can in order to organize your life so that you're not then sitting waiting necessarily for the spirit world to deliver everything to you, but that you actually have to go out and work for it and do it and deliver it yourself. You have to think not in the ways that other people had thought or have put you into the box of being. You have to understand there are more gifts yet still to come, more understanding yet still to unveil within your life plan and existence. Nothing is written. It is there for you to develop. 
Okay, a wonderful message. Thank you, Gregory. Always a pleasure. Oh, my dear friend, the pleasure is all mine, I assure you. Just thank you for all those people that, that sent in questions, and I hope that um, you've got what you've um, you know you wanted there. Um, if you want to find out more about uh, the work that uh, Mick and Sylvie do with Gregory, you can go to www.spirit-teaching.com, um, and they also provide um, personal one-to-one readings with um, Gregory as well, um, which allows you to view your own. Um, a K-Ship book which is a tremendous experience it really is it gives you a great insight into your own life so um, once again thank you for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time